Welcome to the Buick Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Marion, and on this podcast, we dive deep into the outdoors. We discuss hunting and fishing techniques, give you tips and tricks, tell stories, and everything in between to help you enjoy the outdoors. This podcast is brought to you by Northbound Gear. Northbound Gear is designed for maneuverability and durability and is made to last through even the toughest of elements. My go-to for their pants is the Water Resistance Adventure Pants and their lined waterproof jeans. I've worn them while out ice fishing, crawling through the woods, bear hunting, and on the west coast out on the boat. And I even wear them around when I'm having a lazy day at the house. They are that comfortable. They also offer jackets, summer pants, backpacks, and many more. Men's and women's sizes are available, and by partnering with One Tree Planted, you're planting a tree with every purchase. Check them out for yourself at northboundgear.co, and when you use my promo code SHELDON15 at checkout, you'll receive 15% off your order. That's northboundgear.co and promo code SHELDON15. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Buick Outdoors podcast. If you're new around here, I'm your host Sheldon Marion, and uh, I've been away for a little while. It's been an extremely busy spring. Uh, I sold my property out in Buick, and I bought a little house in a nice little northern community here up in northern bc and uh it all happened pretty quick all happened within a month and then i went back to work for a week came home started packing moved in took three weeks off work and started hunting and exploring around this new area so it uh yeah i've been away for a little bit but i'm uh i'm slowly coming back uh still getting organized and unpacked here yet still i mean you can see behind me if you're watching this on youtube uh I still got my deer heads just sitting on the desk here, but uh, yeah, we're uh, we're slowly getting moved in, moved uh, everything within about a week, week and a half, so uh, yeah, we're here now, and we're slowly getting settled in. Uh, one thing I want to talk to you guys about, uh, seeing how bear season is in full effect here now, is uh, skinning your bears. Uh, I'll be the first to admit right now that uh, I'm not a taxidermist. I'm not a professional. Heck, I'd hardly ever skin a bear for rugs to begin with. Uh, I kind of know the gist of it, but I've never actually done it before. Uh, So, like, your best bet if you're wanting to know how to 100% solidly skin your bear out for a taxidermist, especially a rug, well, and a life mount too, is talk to your taxidermist. Just turn this off. Call up your taxidermist. Don't listen to this dummy on YouTube because I honestly, I kind of know what I'm doing, uh, but I'm not the taxidermist and I've never done it. However, with that being said, uh, I've read enough on it and I've talked to taxidermists enough on it where I, I would feel comfortable doing my own, but I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it for somebody else. Uh, and basically, you know, for the rugs, uh, you gotta be careful with your cuts. Um, you know, what you send your taxidermist, it's, they can't work magic. Uh, when it comes to like your initial cuts, especially is when you have to be extremely careful. If you nick a little hole or something like that here and there, they can sew it up. Uh, it makes their life a little bit harder, but your initial cuts are extremely important because they can't, add hide right 
And, uh, you know, when it comes to the, to start your back legs, there's a nice little line that you can follow. And it pretty well goes from the back of the heel. And you can see where the hairs from kind of like the inside of the calf and the outside of the leg kind of come together. And it kind of comes up to a point. And basically you go from the back ankle and you follow that point down towards its uh, butt. Whatever you want to call it. I don't know. YouTube's kind of sensitive. But anyways, you go towards the base of the tail, we'll call it. And pretty well you come back around on the other side and you just make a straight line across to where your lines touch. And then when it comes to the, at the base of the tail, uh, that's, I don't really think there's any, uh, any specific way you're supposed to go around the hole, right? Whatever you want to call it. And then coming up the middle, I believe you just kind of come right up from the base of the tail and you come up to the center of the chest. And the part that gets extremely tricky is the arms. Because if you look at a, a bear rug, for it to look natural and like nice, there's the certain amount of hair on both sides of the legs. So it has a defined neck, it has a defined leg and a defined armpit and on and in order to do that you have to make that little cut down the leg around the elbow and then through the armpit just right and when it comes to starting that cut it's just like the back legs where you can see where the hairs come together and it kind of creates a point and you just cut along that point but where you kind of lose track of that is at the first elbow because there, if you go too high up, what will end up happening is you'll take, how does that work? Yeah, if you're too high up, you'll take too much hide from the armpit area. So it'll just look like you have a really fat bear and he has no arms kind of a thing. It'll just be head, neck, belly. And if you come too low, it's kind of the opposite where... It looks like it has no neck because you left too much hair up on the front shoulder. So it's like instead of head, neck, arms, belly, it's just head and neck is one. And then it's a weird looking belly because now not only did you take too much from the front of the neck area, you didn't take enough from the from the armpit area. So and it just it looks extremely weird and oblong it looks like your bear's arms are six inches instead of 12 kind of a thing uh and also with like the paws and the head the ears the lips the eyes that stuff i would honestly just let the taxidermist do it so even if you make your initial cuts perfect what I would do is right at the joints on the, the back feet, the front feet, and up on the neck is that's where I would just kind of separate it from. So once you start your initial cuts and you get it kind of skinned out, I would skin around to where you get air between the hide and the bone. And then I would just kind of cut it off at the joint there and leave the paws intact because I know... There's certain ways that you have to skin out the paws, uh, like the pads, and then the toes and all that stuff. And I 
honestly don't know how to do that. So for that, I would just pay the extra money for the taxiderms to do that. And that's for the front and the hind legs. Uh, and then when it comes to the head, you know, back in like the trapping days and stuff, the amount of squirrels that I screwed up because you didn't quite make that cut on the, like where like, your tear, tear, uh, tear gland is. You have to make that cut just right to keep the whole eye socket intact. Otherwise, if you if you go a little too far forward into the nose instead of into the eye, you end up just getting like a pile of meat and crap and stuff. And then it's extremely hard to, uh, to flesh it. And if you go too far towards into the eye, uh, there's a very, very thin layer of skin in the in the corner of the eye. Where if you nick that, the whole eye socket kind of just opens up. So instead of having a nice defined eye, you have like a, a big circle. And, uh, you know, it just, a taxidermist might be able to fix that. But it'll be extremely hard for them. And then when it comes to the ears and the lips, you have to skin those out properly. Uh, you have to get the fats out of there the ears you have to get the cartilage out and you have to flip the ears so when it comes to that kind of stuff i wouldn't even i, I wouldn't even attempt it i would just knock off the hide cut the joints off for like the pivots uh so like the ankle ankles the wrists and then kind of like one or two joints down from the base of the skull and then just leave all the hide on there and just Pay the extra hundred or two hundred dollars, whatever it is, so the taxidermist can do it and he can do it properly. Uh, you know, it, there's no sense spending whatever it is, two or three thousand dollars on a bear rug that ends up looking like junk because you made the wrong cuts, and then also it looks bad on the taxidermist because somebody's gonna look at that rug and go, "Where'd you get that made?" you're going to say, ah, so-and-so taxidermy. And my first initial thing is that taxidermist kind of sucks. But when really it wasn't a taxidermist at all, it was your knife handling skills. So it, it kind of looks bad on the taxidermist if they, you know, finished product looks like garbage and it has nothing to do with them. They did their job. They mounted it and they did what they could do to the best of their capabilities but like i said if you make the wrong cuts it's impossible to add hide or to go back and you know reskin it you know you can if you screw up the armpit area they can do certain trimming and stuff to make it look better but then it's you're removing hide and then it just doesn't you know something doesn't look right and when it comes to taxidermist stuff uh you know, there's a lot of times where you can see, like, even, like, the face, especially on animals, or, like, bodies on wolves, you gotta hit it just right, and if you don't, it, it doesn't look right, it doesn't look bad, but it just, it's not a hundred percent, you know, I've seen a lot of wolves done, where it just, they don't get that kind of, the stance of a wolf, they have a really skinny looking dog. And then same thing when it comes to like the face of 
Not so much bears, but the face of wolves, coyotes, lynx, and cougars. It, it's, it's extremely hard to get that perfect definition of their face. You know, you change the angle of the eyebrow or the eyes or an indent in the cheek just a little bit too far one way, and instead of it looking like uh, a lynx or a, whatever is eyeing up like a rabbit or whatever, it makes it look like they're almost scared. You know, instead of having that pinpoint look, they have like the wide-eyed look, and it just it doesn't look normal, doesn't look natural, and uh, you know, it kind of looks kind of trashy, if that's the right word for it. And it's nothing. Like, I'm not trying to bash taxidermists. Like, I, there's no way I could do that job. Uh, you know, if you look at even the these deer, like, the little indents on the eyes, like, indents in the eyes, and the nose, nostrils. You know, when you see these guys finish these up, they don't just grab this hide, throw it onto a chunk of foam and glue it. You know, they come back in with little picks and stuff and they make it just right this styrofoam too they come in with like a dremel and they dremel out certain little defining areas and then even like the eyes and the nose they come back in with paint and they they'll paint the nose just right and the lips and like there's a lot that goes into this stuff and uh you know you their job is hard enough already as is and there's a reason why it is an art and not just a job. Uh, you know, a lot goes into it. And, man, it, you have to be a very skilled person to be a good taxidermist. And even the best taxidermist in the world can't make your mount look good if you do a terrible job skinning it. So you really got to keep that in mind. And even with my deer, what I did was I skinned it around its belly. And I pulled it up kind of like a sock till I got to the base of the head. I knocked it off and I took that whole hide in. And I said, I want this mounted. And they said, well, that's going to be an extra. I think for a deer it was $100 at the time for them to skin the head. And I said, that's perfectly fine. Because even with deer, you got to get around the bases just right. You have to make that Y cut in the back just right. And then the same thing, you got the ears, the lips uh the eyes nose to deal with and i just i don't know what i'm doing uh, even at the time i was a pretty young guy and i had just enough cell phone service to google how to skin out a deer head for a taxidermist <laughs> and uh it turned out not too bad so uh but i also didn't really skin it like at all uh but then after you know speaking about skinning and stuff like that you know, I really want to touch bases on keeping your butcher happy. Uh, you know, especially when a butcher does domestic and wild game. Uh, between animals, they have to sanitize everything. Uh, especially when it comes to bears. If you're bringing bear meat into a, ta uh, into a butcher shop. Because if they leave a chunk of meat around and then that gets into beef or something like that and somebody cooks it up and then they get trichnosis and they go how do you get trichnosis from beef well you don't you get it from bear and well pork too but uh anyways they have to keep their place pristine clean and 
I mean, it doesn't even matter if they're doing wall game or not. They have to keep it pristine clean because they're an inspected uh, business. So when it comes time to a uh, when it comes time for a hunter to bring in meat, you gotta bring it in clean. You know, not only is it kind of respect for the butcher, it's respect for the animal, and it's also self-respect. We put in so much time and effort into hunting, you know, even if you think to the very first beginnings, you take the core course, you take your PAL course, you do all the paperwork, you get your picture taken, you send it all in, you go to work to afford to buy your hunting license, you have to buy your rifle, you have to buy your camping gear, your holiday trailer, your truck, all that stuff, you know, and then you actually go out and you put in the effort to do your scouting, to do your hunting, to stock up on that animal, to finally get it, and the job doesn't end there. I think a lot of hunters are a little bit too disconnected where as soon as they pull that trigger, they go, ah, it's done. When really, that's the furthest from the truth. It's not done until that meat goes into your freezer. So once as you shoot that animal and it's down on the ground, you are still working. You know, you, you got to take time and to keep your meat clean. Uh, you know, if you're out in the bush, even if you just kind of do the gutless quartering method, when you get back, pull the hair off and then skin it out and then do it again. Pull the hair off the second time. You're always going to miss one or two, especially with bears for whatever reason. Their hair is like dog hair. You can sweep and then five minutes later, there's another pile of hair that you got to sweep up. Uh, you know, one thing that we do, uh, if it's kind of convenient, I guess, uh, is we'll bring tarps with us and we lay tarps on the ground, put the animals on the tarp and then skin them out on top of that tarp. And also, while we're doing it, we really watch where we put our feet. Because what we'll do is we'll skin one side, and we just kind of drape the hide down on top of the tarp. And then once it's time to do the other side, you roll that animal over, and you put the meat back onto the hide that you just uh, skinned off. And then that way you get to the other side, you start skinning it out, and then when you're all said and done, there's a couple layers of protection from that meat touching the dirt and the grass and the leaves and stuff. You have your tarp, you have your hide, and then you have your meat. And, you know, it's it's not that hard to keep it clean. When you're making your first initial cuts, you're going to cut hair. Uh, if you cut along with the way that the hair is laying, so, like, if you go from the center of the chest down you're going to go with the hair instead of going the opposite way if you go the opposite way you're kind of cutting up into the hairs so you're going to be cutting them like crazy but if you go the other way you're kind of going with the way that the hair is laying so in a lot of times the hair kind of like parts almost as your knife is going through it and it it doesn't eliminate you cutting the hair but it helps a little bit and then also as you're skinning it if hair falls on, just kind of take take a second, wipe your knife off on your leg or whatever it is, paper towel, grab that piece of hair that fell off, pull it off, and then just keep going. Uh, 
you know, if there's leaves falling and stuff like that, it's a bit of a pain. But, you know, if a leaf falls and touches your meat, just reach over, grab that leaf, throw it to the side, and keep going. Uh, a lot of times, too, we bring game bags, or sometimes we'll have, like, a marine cooler in the box of the truck, and that sometimes helps. But, uh, you know, they're not exactly airtight if you're on, like, a dusty road kind of thing. But, you know, you got to try your best to keep it out of the dirt right from the second you start skinning and gutting. And then also keep your knife clean. Uh, if you have a dirty knife, every time you make a cut, you're putting that dirt right back into it. So if you nick gut or a sink gland or you have dirt on your knife, honestly, just wipe it off on your pant leg and then get back to it. You know, all these small little steps, just it helps out in the long run and it keeps, like, it's not perfect, but it keeps it cleaner than it would be if you didn't do these steps. And then also what I end up doing uh, once we get everything quartered up, we put them into game bags. Or if you don't have a game bag or one big enough, like if you're uh, going after a moose or an elk, you know, we bring, you know, multiple tarps. So we'll take one tarp, we'll put it into the box of the truck, we'll take our meat, and we put it onto that nice clean tarp. And then we'll take a second one, unless you have one of the really big, like 12 by 20 ones, and you can just kind of fold it up and over. We'll take a second tarp, and we put it over top. And then whatever we have in the truck box, usually it's, you know, you have a couple of axes or block of wood or whatever. We'll put that on the edge of the tarp to kind of hold it down. So then it, it helps quite a bit with any, like, dust and dirt and debris uh, getting onto your meat as you're driving it back into town kind of a deal. And then also another thing that we do, or what I do anyways, is, uh, you know, if I'm in my holiday trailer for more than a week, I actually have, it's like a 200-gallon plastic water tote. And if I get an animal, I'll go out and I'll fill that thing up because I usually use it just for filling the water tank up in the holiday trailer. But I'll use that and I'll hook up my hose to it and I'll hose the meat off. And if I'm not in the holiday trailer and I'm able to get back home, I'll turn on the garden hose and I'll hose all that meat down. So if there's any dirt, dust, grass, leaves, anything like that, hopefully you're able to wash it all off. And like I've even taken like a washcloth and actually like scrubbed it down. I don't use soap or anything like that, but just water and a washcloth. And then that way when you hang it up, it can sit there. You could let it drip dry, but I'll take paper towel and I'll kind of do like a pat dry. That way I'm not rubbing like little bits of paper towel all over your meat kind of thing and I'll dry it up as best as I can and then let it let it sit there and dry up and when it's sitting there and hanging and drying you get that little bit of a layer of uh, kind of dry meat on there and I'll go around and I'll start picking off all the hairs or what I'll do is if you have a really good crust on it like if it kind of got near near froze at night I'll take my knife and I'll just trim it off you know, instead of picking off individual hairs, I'll just cut it off. And then that way, when you when you bring it into the butcher, too, he'll look at that. And, man, you want to see a, a grown man smile from ear to ear. Bring clean, good meat to a butcher. And he will appreciate it. Uh, you know, another thing, too, 
you always want to keep your butcher happy. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where if you have a butcher that's mad at you, chances are he could turn you away, especially when things are getting busy. You know, the freezer might be full kind of a thing. And, uh, you know, if that happens, then you're kind of screwed, right? Really. Uh, if you don't have the equipment to butcher things yourself, you really should be sucking up to your butcher. <laughs> uh, plus, you know, if you bring in, if you're consistently bringing in dirty meat, there's a high chance that uh, that butcher is just going to turn you away. Uh, it makes their life and their job so much more harder, uh, especially if somebody comes in to inspect them and they see dirty meat hanging there they don't they don't care that they see that as this is how you run your facility and your inspection is most likely going to be bad and if it's bad enough they can shut you down and pretty well shut down your business and that's only because you know so and so hunter is just terrible with handling his meat so a lot of times you know, they are getting more and more picky now, it seems like, because there's less and less butchers. So it's like, well, what are you going to do? You know, they have a bunch of business. And, uh, you know, if they have to turn away a moose or a bear, it's really not going to hurt them overly too much. You don't want to make a habit of it. But we also don't want to make a habit of bringing in dirty meat. Another thing with... Uh, with the butcher too, you know, if you bring in dirty meat, what they end up most likely doing is they wait till there's a crust on there. They'll hang it up for a day or two and they'll just come in with their knife and they'll just trim it all off. They won't sit there and pick all the hairs and dirt away. They'll just trim it. And when they trim it, you know, you're going to lose probably a quarter inch or more around the entire quarter. So when you're doing that on like a moose, you know, that's that's a lot of meat that you're going to be losing because they had to cut away all the dirt and grass and junk. And it's also hard on equipment. You know, if you take your knife and you, you cut into meat, it's whatever. Eventually your knife is going to get dull and eventually you're going to have to sharpen it up. But if there's a bunch of like, especially sand on it, you're going to make like maybe two or three cuts. And all that real fine sand, it's going to ruin your knife. Like, you're going to be sharpening your knife every 30, 40 seconds. And then that, you know, dollar twenty a pound or whatever it is that they charge you is not going to be worth their time. They almost need to charge an hourly rate instead of a pound rate. Because if, you know, you're making their job harder, I honestly think you should have to pay more. Uh, you know, and then... It is what it is. Time is money, especially when you have a small business. Uh, you know, you can't be wasting their time. And another thing to kind of take into consideration as well, too. Uh, you know, if you keep your butcher happy, they're going to try their best to keep you happy. So they, you know, who knows? They might make you a little bit of a deal every once in a while. Or while you're there, even something as simple as like, hey, Try this piece of jerky that just came out of the, the smoker, you know. Also, if you're ever in a bind or in a pinch, you know, say you, you got a moose on on a weekend, it's Sunday, you know, it's Sunday night at 
9.30 p.m. If you're the guy that always brings in dirty meat or even dirty meat from time to time and you just, you're purposely making his life harder. If you phone him up at 9.30 at night and say, hey, I just got this moose. Tomorrow's supposed to be 30 degrees. Can I bring it in? Chances are they might they might say no. They might say, no, we don't open till 8 a.m. Bring it then. However, if you keep your your butcher happy and you're almost on like a friend basis, you might call him up and say, hey, you know what? I'm in a bind. I got this moose. It's late at night. I'm not going to get out of the bush till whatever, 11 o'clock at night. And tomorrow it's supposed to get to, you know, 30 degrees. I don't want this meat to spoil. There's a good chance that guy will go, ah, well, bring it in. Call me when you're in the driveway. You know what I mean? And it's just from being that responsible hunter who has respect for the animals, has respect for himself, and has respect for his butcher, which is hopefully a buddy by this point. <laughs> but anyways, guys, I think I'm going to cut this one a little bit short here today. Uh, like I said, I'm still getting everything settled in, and unfortunately, I got to go to, I got to go back to work. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. It's been a while since I've talked to you guys. I hope you guys' bear season is doing good. Uh, if you guys got one, you know, send us some pictures. I always like to see you guys' success. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. If you're just listening to this and you want to watch the video version of it, head over to YouTube and uh, check us out at Buke Outdoors. Make sure you to like this, comment, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We'll catch you on the next one.